Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to our friend Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post about what's ailing the CFL right now and a lot of uncertainty heading into the 2021 season, right? This could be season, right? Also, we'll head to Calgary and talk to Pat Steinberg of Sportsnet Radio about the Flames and how they're not exactly killing it right now heading into their three-game set with the Jets. That's all coming up on the podcast. Regina, we head there now to talk to our friend Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post. How are things in the Queen City, Rob? Uh, it's snowing right now. Snowing? Uh, 20 degrees on last Friday. So <laughs> so it's the prairies is what you're saying in March. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think we were spoiled a little bit for uh, for a while there. But hey, the, the Winnipeg Jets are tied for first place, so I don't care if there's 88 feet of snow. I'm, I'm a happy person right now. Yes, for, for people that don't know, Rob is a, a big-time Jets fan that dates back to the original days, right? Yeah, absolutely. February of, uh, I think it's February 18th, 1980, I went to my first Jets game, and they exploded for three goals and held uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs to nine. And that was by Jets indoctrination. And it's been all uphill since, right? Ron Wilson, Chris Spadari, and Lyle Moffat with the goals. Marcus Matson was in that. So that was my night. <laughs> you- You'll never forget it, though, clearly. Never so. forget it. It was wonderful. I, I got hooked right away. I don't know why. I, I, during intermission, I went and bought a bunch of Jets buttons, and I've still got them. I've got Lars Eric Schubert. I've got Pierre Hamel. Uh, I got a Ron Wilson button. I had a. I just have all sorts of Jets trinkets for that, that trip. So I don't know why I bored you with that tangential uh, Jets hey, reference. I, but, uh, I opened I the door it. to it. That's okay. <laughs> so 41 the, C- counting. the CFL, Rob. We're here. We are in March. It's March 25th. Fair to say that the last month for the CFL has just been fans online speculating openly about the future of this league and where it's going to go. And the league hasn't given them any choice, given the the messaging that's so ham-handed uh, and, and so contradictory and confusing. I'm not sure what options people have except to speculate. There's really no foundation for anything for a conversation about anything that's concrete. Uh, I've never seen anything like this before, but last week the league issues, or recently the league issued the press release regarding the XFL, and then went out of their way to downplay virtually every aspect of it. It's like they put out a press release and then tried to deny their own press release. Uh, Oh, it's nothing. We're just talking about talking. Well, you don't put a proud press release that you're basically going for coffee with somebody. And, 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 and that's just the way it's been. They're just the make the messages are mixed and muddied and confusing. And, uh, and one day you're optimistic that they might play. And the next day you're hearing that they're proposing a 20% pay cut for the players on top of the, the cuts that they've already absorbed because there's a teams are spending out or close to the salary cap floor. So now they're, they're, they're hitting the running over the players with a, with a truck and a bus. And it's just, it's at what point can you, really get a handle on whether this league is going to be viable or in existence in terms of being, being a product this year. I, it just keeps, it, it just changes every, every minute. And it's, it's, it's an absolute mess. There should, they should be much further ahead. I understand that there's a pandemic and these are unprecedented times, but honestly, this can, this demands better leadership than, than has been evident. And we saw today, Bryant Mitchell of the blue bombers retire from football. at the age of 28 yesterday. We saw Delvin bro, retire uh, defensive back for the Ticats. I have sensed that these will not be the last retirements based on all the uncertainty. Do you feel the same way? 
Yeah, I mean, Ricky Collins Jr., back in 2019, he had over 1,000 yards receiving for, for Winnipeg. And, and then, I mean, pardon me, for Edmonton. And now he's decided the same thing. And as this goes on, I think players are going to they're going to reach the point where, okay, enough back and forth here, enough speculation. What is your plan? I've got mouths to feed. I've got a career to get on with. And, you know, the, these are young men that have put, the, put their lives on hold for nothing for, for well over a year now. And uh, eventually, you've got to decide what you're doing with your life. You've got dependents. You've got a career to look out for. It, it, it seems to me that the CFL really isn't looking out for them. So um, you move on. And, and then the players, last time I checked, are the product. But they just seem to be going out of their way to alienate them and or just not communicate with them, which alienates them. <laughs> right. So I guess what's... Is it as simple as asking, what is the solution? Because in a non-pandemic world, we just go back to going to football games and gate revenue is such a big part of this. But in looking at the long-term future of this league, you wrote a column saying that the cash crunch CFL should embrace a made-in-Canada solution. What do you mean by that? Well, I think you need to be less dependent on, on the American players who are going to be more transient. And also, by the time you get to the 16th, 17th American on the roster, they're generally, they're generally marginal players anyway. What about building into your model? Um, not unlike that which existed during the so-called glory days of the CFL, where players can actually have a career that is compatible with, with playing football. It doesn't have to be an either-or situation. So they can get a head start on their future and also supplement their income by holding on, holding down a job, have practice at, at 5.30 in the afternoon, maybe scale things back a bit so that uh, you can afford to put out the kind of product that people can still enjoy. I don't want to diminish the, the abilities of the players, but the, the, the style of game is what makes the CFL special. And I don't think you need 17 American starters per team to make it special. Once upon a time, you certainly didn't need that many. So let's take a look at what, uh, at what the heartland is. And not only, not only establish more of a grassroots approach with regard to the players, but with regard to, with regard to football in Canada and work in alliance with, with the football governing bodies across the country and try to develop football in this country as opposed to, hey, what's happening in Germany? What's happening in Mexico? Well, how about Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Quebec, Ontario, BC, etc.? So... When you say that, you know, hold down a job and have football as well, are you suggesting kind of a semi-pro model? No, I mean, was, this is the way it was long ago, when it, and it's never been called semi-pro football. Uh, Ron Lancaster worked all day as a teacher at Central Collegiate. George, we, George Reed worked for Molson Breweries as a sales rep. And then they go to practice, and then they play a very high level of Canadian football on the weekends and, and be, become icons. I think the two are compatible. And there's, there's evidence that that can still be done to a degree. There, there are players, you know, Chris Gutzlaff, when he was with the Rough Riders, was, was a financial planner and still is. There's, there's ways of, of uh, I think, having a, relation, having a job and, and, and playing football at the same time. I think the, the league needs to go out of their way to make, make this an inviting place for players and, and also has to find a way to... to prevent players from shifting from team to team to team every year so that there can be some player identifiability. And that's what the league had once upon a time, and, and now, now now they don't. I mean, there, there are lots of Ryder fans wearing number seven jerseys, um, and now they're Cody Fajardo's jerseys, but they were once Weston Dressler who went to the Bombers. They were once Willie Jefferson who went to the Bombers. And those number sevens end up somewhere else, and there's just no 
there's nothing for fans to hang their hat on. I think that has to return. So looking at the the future, the CFL 2.0 initiative has been divisive is too strong a word. I think a lot of people thought, what are we doing? Why can't we focus more on building it here as opposed to building it worldwide? I think it has some merit to it, but what do you think of the uh, the global draft and the idea of trying to spread the the, the love of the CFL across the globe? I, I think it's in a perfect world. It's nice, but I think the priority should be to try and give, try and focus more on this country and and spend that time and that money in this country and 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 try to, be, to develop more of a fan base and develop more of a player base and, and help contribute to the development of that player base by uh, working with people who already have already played their hand. There is an interest in Canadian football. They're playing it. They're coaching it. They're, they're watching it. They're playing minor football. They're playing flag football. That's your base. You're not, you don't have to go to Mexico or Germany or whatever to, to try and find a, a, a base of fans or a base of players, a base of uh, talent. It's right here. Nurture it. Uh, you've 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 got this huge system here, and you haven't really begun to tap it to to, a, to an extent that I think is satisfactory. That's where I think it has to start. Made in Canada. When you look at the whole infrastructure of the league, and with an eye toward, uh, I think having a better, a stronger, uh, more visible Canadian player base as well. Now I read online, Rob, uh, a tweet from Paolo Senra yesterday. He used to work with the CFL, and he said they commissioned a national survey a few years back, and the percentage of new Canadians those have been here for five years or less, that were fans of the league was 18%. And uh, people point to that and say, okay, this is a failure by the CFL, and this is perhaps why they were going with the 2.0 initiative. But at the same time, when you hear that they're, you know, the attendance is, is going down in most of the major cities, in a way the CFL 2.0 was, was received by some to just as the CFL saying, you know what? We can't do. We're giving up on Canada. We know we're not going to make it in these markets, so we got to build elsewhere. Is that too an extreme of a viewpoint? Do you think? It seems to me that they are they are being a bit dismissive or neglectful of of, of what's happening here. Um, they've already got an infrastructure. Should they choose to tap it as far as relations with other countries? Because football Canada has been playing uh, against uh, federations from other countries for years. So why not use that established base of expertise in football Canada and let, make you know I think foster more of an alliance with with uh, with football across the country that already has reached out to some of these other countries and maybe try and work work within that system as, a, as opposed to bringing in a player from some other continent and putting him on the sidelines and and granted there was an exception in Winnipeg in 2019 but for the most part they were glorified mannequins they were sideline statues they just stood there how does that foster interest anywhere in the world you're not even going to see your, if you're if you're watching in Germany and a, the Rough Riders have a German receiver standing in the sidelines as a designated global player he's not even going to get into the game the camera might pan by him once that's not going to grow your base that player's got to be that player's got to be grounded in Canadian football and, uh, and otherwise, you're just, you're just, it's just tokenism as far as the roster is concerned. So how do you really get any further ahead with that? The coaches are so disinclined to, to play them, Mike O'Shea being one, the one notable exception. I'll let you go on this, Rob. How many games are there going to be in the CFL season this year? I think 8 to 10. I think maybe they can stretch what they'd hope to do 
last year and starting after Labor Day, maybe a little bit further. I mean, there, there's designs on starting the season on time, but that proposal seems to be, seems to be a non-starter with the players. So then you're looking at, I think, delaying everything. So I would, I would hope by by sometime in August we might we might see some football again. I, I sure hope so. I, I miss it, miss it, miss it, miss it, miss it. Oh, you and me both, Rob, and I know many people <laughs> in both of our provinces agree and probably more people in our provinces percentage-wise than in other provinces but certainly yes there are a lot of people across the country that are waiting perhaps frustratingly waiting they're not sure what the cfl's doing but again in a perfect world everyone's vaccinated and the cfl doesn't really have to worry about stuff but the fact that you know we, we still have to worry about not having full stadiums that's that's kind of the number one issue isn't it yeah, you would think so. And, you know, in a perfect world, every province, people in every province in Canada would care as much as they do in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. That's true. And in a, in a perfect world, uh, maybe instead of reaching out to the federal government, and that went nowhere last year, I think you might, you might find you get more support if, if, the, if you went to the provincial government. And you could probably sell that in Saskatchewan because there's a loan to be paid off for the stadium that's not being used. You could probably sell that in, in Manitoba because the Bombers are coming off a great cup win and they're a foundational sports franchise in that province. But good luck selling it in BC. Good luck selling it in Ontario, Quebec. It's such a regional sport where the largest markets are basically the worst, and the, some of the smallest markets are the most uh, devoted. So it's, they don't have the uniformity that they need across the country to reach out to levels of government. The feds won't do anything with, about it, and the province's interest ranges from extreme to non-existent. So all these disparate uh, uh, entities across the country with with such differing levels of enthusiasm in terms of fans, in terms of uh, governments, etc. they make it so difficult to administer this league. And then when you look at the composition, some private owners, some publicly owned teams, it, it's a nightmare. And, and there's just so many factors this league has to contend with right now. I don't envy any of these people. I just hope they can find a solution. Even if it, it isn't mine, uh, please, please bring us some football again. That'd be lovely. Thanks for this, Rob, as always. And we'll uh, hopefully have some real football to talk about soon. That would be wonderful. Thanks uh, so much for your time, Christian, and as always, go Jets. We head to Calgary now. Jets are there to take on the Flames tomorrow, Saturday, and on Monday, so we are pleased to be joined by host of the big show on Sportsnet 960, Pat Steinberg. Pat, thanks for being patient with us. Thank you for being patient with me. I'm uh, I'm glad we could work it all out. What's going on tonight? What's well, uh not too much how are things in calgary when it comes to the flames coming off two straight losses to the ottawa senators where they scored one goal in each of those games are people feeling a little down about the flames right now oh it's uh it's been a uh it's been a year out here man like the 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 expectations were i think high but not sky high i think that there were expectations for this team to be competitive and to be a playoff team and you know to be kind of in in a similar spot that winnipeg's in right now maybe not running away with a division but you know, maybe they could be within striking distance of the top spot in a division something like that and um instead here they are four points out of a playoff spot and having lost five of seven to the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, it, it, it feels so, it feels so mean taking shots at the Sens and being like, well, how could you lose five of seven? But they are the worst team in the division. And they're one of the top three or four worst teams in the NHL. And, and a colleague of mine 
makes this makes this point a lot, says playoff teams don't lose a lot of games to non-playoff teams. Well, right now the Flames have lost a lot of games to a non-playoff team this year, and that's the Ottawa Senators. And, and you know, when it's all said and done, it's it's probably going to end up defining their season in in a bad way. So we we saw a 5-1 loss to Ottawa spell the end of a coach here uh, because that was really the, the loss that put the wheels in motion for the coaching change that saw Jeff Ward fired and, and Daryl Sutter hired. Um, and now this latest two-game set in Ottawa has really, I think, changed the conversation in this city about what happens between now and the trade deadline? What happens this off season? So, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a frustrating year for a lot of Flames fans, and and people are upset. People are are really frustrated as to the direction of the team, and frustrated at this team's uh, this organization's inability to to get over a certain hump, and certainly with this core group of players. So, yeah, those uh, those those two losses to Ottawa certainly set things off and but it's it's been it's been more than just that i mean there was a little bit of excitement when daryl sutter took over but from from the bigger picture standpoint when you're talking about the down season that seemingly every important player calgary was was leaning on is having right now from johnny gaudreau to sean monahan to matthew kachuk to mark giordano even to jacob markstrom the last month and a half yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a frustrating year for a lot of Flames fans. So this, it's funny. Like the the Jets are rolling, and and they're they're without question one of the best teams in this division. And I'm really interested to see what we see in these next three games because you know the Jets. I I don't think the Jets are gonna take the Flames lightly or anything like that. I just know that Calgary is looking at this three game set and and saying, okay, we've got a really good team coming into our building. Our season is kind of teetering and and about to slip away. And if we don't put three really good games on the ice against Winnipeg, it might be done. So I'm I'm really interested to see what the Flames bring this Friday, Saturday, and Monday. What type of effort they bring, and and what type of opponent the Jets face. Because it wouldn't surprise me if if the Jets see one of the better iterations of the Flames this year in these three games, and and if Calgary might be able to have a little success. Uh, the, the problem with this Calgary team is that they've they've shown flashes of of some really good play this year, but you know good teams are able to do that on a regular basis, and the Flames haven't been able to do that this year. It's it's been way 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 too up and down. They last played in early February. They played a bunch. February first, the Flames won cool. in a shootout in Winnipeg, a three-two win the next day for the Jets, four-one win for the Jets February fourth, and then in Calgary February ninth. It was a 3-2 win for the Flames. That is the last time that Winnipeg and Calgary met, and now they're meeting for three times in a four-day span. What has been the problem, Pat? Because the the team that we saw in the bubble beat Winnipeg, an injured Winnipeg team, and then you know seconds away from having a 3-1 lead on the Dallas Stars in the first round of the playoffs – what has changed so drastically to the point where the team just doesn't have that consistency right now? And offensively, there are just nights where they just don't have anything. Well, I mean, I, I, there's a few things going on right now. First of all, I think there, I, I think there are a couple of, uh, not a couple of, but a number of players on this team that I, I, I wonder how much 
they're tied to two narratives right now. They're tied to the one that, that you just threw out there about how close they were. Because it's right, it's factual. They were they were 12 seconds away from being 3-1 up on the eventual Western Conference champions. And and so I think that there's a lot of like, oh, look how close we were. We're This is this is uh, the, the team that we are. We could have been playing for the Stanley Cup. I think that has, has been there. And I also think that 2018-19 season, when they finished with 105 points and, and they were the number one regular season team in the Western Conference, I think there's... You know, there are players like Mark Giordano and Johnny Gaudreau and, and Sean Monaghan say, well, I mean, look, look at how good we were that year. That's the way we were playing, and, and now it's not working. We need to play like we played then, and I think that the, the brand of hockey that both Jeff Ward and now Daryl Sutter are trying to get this team to play is not a high-flying, rush-offense-type hockey. It's, it's pretty, much, pretty much since Jeff Ward took over after the Bills Bill Peters scandal in November 2019. Now he's he's gradually or he gradually tried to change the identity of the team and specifically when the NHL restarted and they got into the bubble, it was a, a team that was much more about their play away from the puck and much more about being a, a very defensively sound, defensively minded team. And obviously every team in the NHL wants to be that, but this was kind of the, the core focus of the identity. And I think that I think that, that that's been a tough thing for a lot of guys to adjust to because there is this feeling that, well, look at what we could put up and look at the numbers we put up and all that type of stuff. But here's, here's what it comes down to for me as to why this team has struggled this year. They're, they're not getting enough from the players that are supposed to be their drivers. Uh, Sean Monaghan's a guy that that for years scored 20 to 30 goals seemingly in his sleep. Well, he scored three even strength goals this year. Three, and we're like that's 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 one every 11 games at even strength, and he's your third highest paid forward. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau is is a guy who has been very prolific on the power play this year, um, but again, his five on five scoring is is at this point kind of like maybe top 50 in the NHL. Matthew Kachuk is supposed to be. This this driving force all round winger who also uh, gets under the skin of opposing teams and drags his team into the fight and, and that has been very hit and miss and and more miss so far this season. Mark Giordano's two seasons removed from winning a Norris Trophy, well, he looks like he has taken significant steps back, which I guess you should have expected with him being now 37, soon to be 38 years old. So the guys that this team has counted on for so long have not been the types of players that they need them to be. And, and that, at the core of it, is why this team is is where they are and, and why they're a bubble playoff team at the very best. And, and I think, Christian, here in this city, I think most fans have, have kind of resigned themselves to the fact that, sure, could they get super hot for the next 22 games and, and somehow get on the type of run that will eventually get them to the postseason? Sure, I think that everybody sees that, yeah, maybe that could happen. But is anybody really expecting that to happen in this city? Most Flames fans, I think, are kind of resigned to the fact that this isn't their year. And this offseason is going to be a really interesting one in terms of what this team does and what moves they make and who's here for the next full NHL season. A couple more minutes with Pat Steinberg of Sportsnet Radio in Calgary. Is it possible, you know, Daryl Sutter is brought in out of nowhere, 
that the personnel on the ice don't really match up with his coaching style? Um, I think that's one of the things that we're really starting to uh, starting to evaluate. And I think the the reason why he was brought in in season partially was to try to see if it could give this team enough of a jolt to try to get them into the playoffs this year and, and reverse fortune this year. I think that was part of why the move was made, but not the, the main driver as to why they decided to do it in season. I, I think as much, if not more, of the main motivation was to bring in a coach that is considered to be a high-end coach, a Stanley Cup winning coach, a coach that is demanding and 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 demands the very most out of his team and, and has that type of cachet to be able to do so. I think it was to, to truly once and for all underline to management and I think just as importantly to ownership who they can and who they cannot go forward with. And so there's there's questions about which guys are going to be able to to play that brand of hockey and really what Daryl Sutter's asking them to do is 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 not really unlike what a lot of other teams are being asked to do uh it's it's all about possession it's all about ozone time it's all about shot volume and, and getting pucks towards the net and being strong away from the puck and defending well so you can have it more but that's that's kind of the, the central theme to most teams, but he's, he's really, really harping on the details and, and making sure that those things are uh, like the, the, there's, there's no stone left and unturned in that regard. And so, you know, there's, there are guys on this team that, you know, those detail things haven't necessarily been their strengths. And, and so, yeah, whether it's Gaudreau, whether it's Monaghan, whether it's Sam Bennett, you know, you could point to a lot of different players and say, okay, is this guy going to be able to excel under Daryl Sutter? If the answer is no, and they've given him, you know, 28 games to be able to, to work it out or 30 games to be able to work it out, you get a pretty good idea of, okay, well, this guy's probably not part of the solution, so maybe we need to go in a different direction come the off season. So, yes, I, I think – Part of it is, yeah, I, I do think that there are certain guys that maybe are not great fits to play the type of hockey he's wanting him to play. And if that is fleshed out here over the next month and a half, I think it's, it's going to make some of the potentially difficult decisions this team had to make this offseason, I think it might make those decisions a little easier. Pat, appreciate your time as always. Again, thanks for your patience and getting our phone troubles uh, ironed out. And we'll... Uh, Talk to you down the road here, and I would like to think that the Jets can take care of business, but we'll see. It's going to be an interesting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting set. I'm looking forward to seeing the Jets in person again. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good three games. All right, take care, Pat. Thanks, Ben. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6:30 to 9 p.m. Of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.